Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll visit the website and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato, uh, Cato Institute. We'll visit with Chris Hall, the County Collier, uh, Collier County Commissioner-elect in District 2. We'll also visit with Erica Donalds, the CEO of Optima Foundation, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of, I think it's now 12 books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. Such an interesting read. It is September the 16th, and on this day in 1620, the Mayflower set sail from uh, Plymouth, England, bound for Americas with 102 passengers. The ship was headed for Virginia, where the colonists, half-religious dissenters and half-entrepreneurs, had been authorized to settle by the British Crown. However, stormy weather and navigational errors forced the Mayflower off course, and on November the 21st, the Pilgrims reached Massachusetts, where they found the first permanent European settlement in New England in late December. Thirty-five of the Pilgrims were members of the radical English Separatist Church, who traveled to America to escape the jurisdiction of the Church of England, which they found corrupt. Ten years earlier, English persecution had led a group of separatists to flee to Holland in search of religious freedom. However, many were dissatisfied with the economic opportunities in the Netherlands, and under the direction of William Bradford, they decided to immigrate to Virginia, where the English colony had been founded in Jamestown in 1607. The separatists won financial backing, from a group of investors called the London Adventurers who were promised a sizable share of the colony's profits, three dozen church members made their way back to England, where they uh, joined about 70 entrepreneurs enlisted by the London Stock Company to ensure the success of the enterprise. In August 1620, the Mayflower set uh, Southampton with a smaller vester, the, the uh, vessel, the Speedwell, but the latter proved unseaworthy and twice was forced to return to port. On September the 16th, the Mayflower left for America alone from Plymouth. It's a difficult Atlantic uh, crossing, the 90-foot, only 90 feet. Mayflower encountered rough seas and storms that were blown more than 500 miles off course. Along the way, the settlers formulated uh, the si and signed the Mayflower Compact, an agreement that bound the signatories into a civil bod body politic. Because it established constitutional law and the rule of the majority, the compact was regarded as the important precursor to American democracy. After a 66-day voyage, the ship landed on November 21st at the tip of Cape Cod, at which is now Provincetown, Massachusetts. After coming to anchor in Mo Provincetown Harbor, the party of armed men under the command of uh, Captain Miles Standish was sent out to explore the area and find a locale uh, suitable for uh, settlement. When they were gone, Susanna White gave birth to a son aboard the Mayflower. He was the first English child in New England, born in New England. In mid-December, the explorers went ashore as a location found across Cape Cod where they found clear fields and plentiful running water and named the site Plymouth. 
The expedition returned to Provincetown, and on December the 21st, the Mayflower came to anchor in Plymouth Harbor. Just after uh, Christmas, the Pilgrims began on, working on dwellings that would shelter them through the difficult winter in America. In the first year of settlement, half of the colonists died of disease. In 1621, the health and economic condition of the colonists improved, and that autumn, Governor William Bradford invited uh, neighboring Indians to Plymouth to celebrate the bounty of the year's harvest. Plymouth soon secured treaties with most local Indian tribes, and the economy steadily grew and more colonists were attracted to the settlement. By the mid-1640s, Plymouth's population grew to 3,000 people, but by then the settlement had overshadowed by the larger, been overshadowed by Massachusetts Bay Colony to the north, settled by Puritans in 1629. Now, by the way, <clears throat> William Bradford uh, wrote uh, his uh, summer, his diary of, of Plymouth Plantation, terrific read. It pointed out that the, they actually, this compact that they originally signed was to f- make everything the commons. In other words, uh, nobody owned any property. Everything was thrown in the middle and everybody would divide equally uh, what was produced. Well, it didn't work out so well. And that was the reason why they had starvation and lack of success in the beginning. He then decided to divide up uh, the area, Plymouth, into plots for each individual to own, and that's when the economy took off. The first experiment, really, with communism in Plymouth Plantation. The term pilgrim, by the way, was not used to describe the Plymouth colonists until the early 19th century and was derived from a manuscript in which the Governor Bradford spoke of the saints who left Holland as pilgrims. The orator Daniel Webster spoke of the Pilgrim Fathers as a bicentennial bicentennial celebration of Plymouth's founding in 1820 and thereafter the term entered common usage. That's the story of uh, the Mayflower. Amazing story. Only, what's 108 feet was just amazing, uh, crossing the Atlantic. Well, Martha's Vineyard residents might expect a few thousand more migrants like the 50 who showed up unexpectedly Wednesday. Uh, Governor Ronald DeSantis uh, said Thursday, though it was unclear if that was a promise or a mere Twitter, Twitter uh, tweet. Two planes filled with the most Venezuelans arrived from Texas on Wednesday with less than an hour. Uh, notice at the vacation spot for the wealthy just off Massachusetts coast. DeSantis took credit for the flight, saying that they were part of the state's efforts to move migrants to liberal sanctuary areas where they've said they welcome the influx of immigrants into the country. Republican governors of Texas and Arizona have done the same, sending busloads of immigrants to Washington, D.C., New York City, and Chicago. Dylan Fernandez, a a uh, state representative who represents Martha's Vineyard wrote on a Twitter, These immigrants were not met with chaos. They were met with compassion. We are a community and a nation that is stronger because of immigrants. The community uh, coming together with water, food, interpretation, help, and resources to support these families representing the best of America. Our island jumped into action, putting together 50 beds, giving everyone a good meal, providing a uh, play area for the children, making sure people have the health care and support they need, he said. We are a community that comes together to support immigrants. Uh, He (laughs) virtue signaled. Christina Peshaw, uh, DeSantis' rapid response director, tweeted in response, Great, then you won't mind taking in a few thousand more. Newsweek asked the DeSantis team whether Shaw's tweet indicated an actual intent to send thousands of more immigrants, uh, but uh, she replied that we should be thrilled to, ha- to be welcoming more immigrants. They vote for sanctuary cities, they get a sanctuary city of their own, and illegal aliens will increase the town's diversity, which is a strength, right? Although Mark Russell commented, I'll take 100 immigrants any day 
over 100 DeSantis voters, to which Bashar responded, duly noted, sir, I hope you have a large mansion or else it might get a bit crowded in there. <laughs> so the back and forth, but, you know, this is actually a good thing. I mean, it springs to the attention. If you watch mainstream media, they don't report on the problems at the border. Uh, but this brings it to light. In fact, two buses with migrants from Texas arrived early Thursday morning outside of Vice President Kamala Harris's official residence in Washington, D.C. They are sent by Texas GOP Governor Greg Abbott. Their arrival is the latest move in an escalating effort by the GOP governors to send migrants from southern U.S. border to liberal cities and towns across the U.S. to relieve the taxpayers of the economic burden and to publicly argue the country's immigration problems are national, not regional or local. On Wednesday, Florida governor, of course, sent two planes of, to Martha's Vineyard. About 75 or 100 migrants arrived at 7 a.m. Eastern time. They reportedly left from Eagle Pass, Texas, with at least some of them starting uh, their trek from Venezuela. One bus passenger told Fox News that uh, he was from Venezuela and crossed the U.S. border illegally to escape the violence and crime in Venezuela. The number of illegal immigrants crossing the border has recently reached record highs. President Biden took Harris put Harris in charge of addressing the problem in the southern border. Abbott started sending migrants this summer to the nation's capital in New York City and Chicago. Uh, no small irony that they were dropped off right in front of the Naval Observatory, which is where uh, the vice presidential mansion is, and uh, dropping them off. So she hasn't really visited the border crisis. She hasn't been where the, where the immigrants are flowing across the border illegally. So uh, they're bringing them right to her, right in front of the mansion. It's a great thing. Uh, Now, of course, they're being accused of uh, Newsom is uh, Governor Newsom from California saying that this is hijacking or or, uh, kidnapping and sending them off to Martha's Vineyard and so forth. Well, the the real problem and the the law that's been broken is the fact the president refuses to secure the border uh, uh, off of Texas and uh, uh, California and uh, Arizona. That's the problem. And if the border were secure, then this problem would exist in the first place. It is a national problem. And I really salute the governors who are making this happen and bringing national attention to it. Because I know if you watch the mainstream media, you don't hear anything about this. Finally, on this segment, uh, Governor in December 2020, Dr. Anthony Fauci defended deliberately moving goalposts and lying about COVID-19 herd immunity during an appearance on CNN's State of the Nation. He previously stated it would take 60 to 70 percent herd immunity to halt the coronavirus. Fauci uh, regularly changed the COVID guidelines on a whim, and his actions delayed the herd immunity in the U.S. population. Under Dr. Fauci, the U.S. had more deaths than any other country. On Wednesday, Senator Rand Paul grilled to Fauci on his previous statements on herd immunity. Back in 2004, Dr. Fauci believed natural immunity was very important. Paul played the video, but today, Tony Fauci does not believe in natural immunity in the COVID virus. Maybe it has something to do with his contracts with Big Pharma. Well, uh, Rand Paul promised to call Fauci in, and he will be forced to divulge where uh, his royalties come from. Rand Paul uh, promised to force Dr. Fauci to disclose where he got his royalties from, and if any member of the COVID committee has a conflict of interest. That will be very interesting. 
This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that uh, Lulabee's Diner... And the Green Tree Shopping Center is offering first responders or anyone wearing red, white, and blue a 20% discount off of their entree. And that's uh, happening today and tomorrow. It's their small way of honoring the, this day. Of course, they're referring to 9-11 for the community and for first responders. So Green Tree Shopping Center, Lulabee's Diner, a great place to have breakfast or lunch. Uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Chris Hall, County Commissioner-Elect in Collier County. Right now we have with us William Yateman, a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Yeah, my pleasure. William, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is a website. C-A-T-O.org. 
So, William, uh, funding for the United States government ends on October the 1st. Where do we stand with all that? Well, so uh, the majorities in both uh, the House and the Senate um, this month are are primarily occupied with trying to put together a stopgap funding bill for at least, I believe, 11 weeks. Um, So inside the Beltway, these stopgap measures, they create peculiar politics. Uh, And by that, I mean they're must-passed or considered must-passed. And that's because most members of Congress want to avoid a government shutdown. Mm -hmm. Um, The upshot is that everyone tries to attach their pet projects onto these things because they know these bills have an extraordinarily high chance um, of passing through both houses. Um, which brings us, I guess, sets the table for, for what is going on inside the Democrat caucus right now. Um, for the, the Orwellian-named uh, Inflation Reduction Act, Schumer had promised Manchin, in exchange for Manchin's support for that bill, which we've discussed many, many, you know, over, over many calls prior, um, Schumer had promised Manchin permitting reform for uh, uh, environmental red tape on energy projects. And in particular, one, you know, an oil and gas pipeline that goes through West Virginia. Um, and the form of this bargain, you know, how it manifests itself, was that Schumer was going to put an amendment onto this must-pass stopgap funding measure that essentially gives Manchin what he wants. Well, the problem, obviously, is that the progressive base um, you know, are, are staunchly opposed to any oil and gas development um, because of their concern about climate change. And this is outraged them. And now we have this scenario where there's internecine conflict, especially amongst Democrats in the House, um, that may, I mean, no one, the odds are low. But at this point, uh, given the respective positions here between the progressives and leadership, um, potentially uh, the, the Democrats, internal fighting among the Democrats could be a cause of a government shutdown if they don't iron this all out. And at this point, Schumer appears to be keeping his word. He's not budging. Pelosi appears to be on board with Schumer, um, and the progressives are just fuming. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, to me, it looks like Manchin has gone from one of the most revered members of Congress and the Senate to being one of the most hated and despised in just a few weeks. It, well, perhaps to his credit. I mean, you know, I'll say this. If everyone dislikes you in our contemporary Congress, maybe you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this as well. Um, now, to be sure, the, the Republicans, the Republican senators have put forth a, a stronger permitting reform program um, as a countermeasure. But still, I don't think the, the perfect should be the enemy of the good here. I mean, what Manchin has put on the table from a state, you know, again, he represents the state that Trump won, won by 40 points in 2020. Um, these are pretty sound uh, ideas, and they're very much along the lines of the sorts of alternatives that we had discussed on prior Fridays to the spending, the tax and spend in the IRA, which is to say removing some of this red tape, uh, allowing American innovation to proceed apace, um, and thereby fill our coffers with uh, a growing economy. I know, but Manchin sold out for, I mean, I agree that I think what he's uh, gotten for West Virginians is quite, it's great, but 87,000 IRS agents, the Green New Deal, <laughs> all of phony spending and you know, inflation creating a spending is just unbelievable. It's a, it's a pretty big price for getting what he wanted. 
couldn't agree. Look, I'll tell you this: is the IRA again? I introduced it as Orwellian theme or Orwellian named. I mean, by no means, as I've articulated in prior Fridays, I think that bill uh, is is flawed on the whole, yeah. um, through and through. That said, it already has been signed by the president. I mean, you know, I don't think spite should be uh, an impetus for for torpedoing what is otherwise a good idea. Yeah. Good, good, good point. So, uh, where do we stand right now with the Marlago uh, fiasco? Wow, I mean, this develop or, or kind of on multiple fronts here. So, briefly, um, as we've discussed before, Judge Eileen uh, um, Cannon, uh, the Florida federal district judge, um, she had granted Trump's request for a special master to provide an independent third-party review of what of these documents uh, to ensure that they're indeed classified and that they comply with. Um, uh, attorney-client privilege and potentially executive privilege, although, again, that's a different ball of wax. Um, I think the other big news this week in, regarding Justice Department investigations of Trump wasn't just Mar-a-Lago and what's going on with the special master, but uh, there was a bombshell report in the Washington Post this morning that is headlined, the Justice Department's January 6th investigation is looking at everything. I mean, that's verbatim what it says. Um, they report on how more than 100 subpoenas have been sent out, um, and they're looking at fraud and obstruction um, regarding potentially the fundraising off the January 6th events. But my ultimate point here is now we've got two investigations out of the Biden administration of his predecessor. Um, and I just think this really strengthens the calls that I've made on prior Fridays for some sort of independent, some sort of special counsel mm-hmm. um, to take over these investigations. Because, as I've noted before, Biden and the Democrats, they trump the centerpiece of their midterm reelection campaign, and Biden is 2024 reelection campaign. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, it coexists uneasily with our constitutional form of government that the current president is, is making his number one political issue, the prior president. At the same time, there are multiple wide-ranging investigations against the prior president. So that, to me, is an outrage. That's been going on for years. Unbelievable. Again, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Chris Hall. He's the Cuyahoga County Commissioner in District 2 elect. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Erica Donalds, the CEO of Optima Foundation. Right now we have with us Chris Hall. He is the Collier County Commissioner-elect in District 2. Chris, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Bob. My pleasure, Chris. When do you take office? You know, first I have to get past the November 8th election. Oh. I am the Republican candidate for County Commissioner District 2, and I'm running against B.B. Cantor. She's the Democrat, and uh, I, we don't see any problems with that, but that has to happen first. And then the first day I would take office would be the second um, Tuesday in December. We would be sworn in. The, uh, we would say goodbye to the old commissioners, and we would take the seat. Thank you, Chris. I certainly should have known that. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, but uh, in any event, for, for uh, our listeners that may not know you or, or have not uh, uh, visited your website, maybe you could tell us about yourself. Sure. I'm pretty easy. I mean, pretty much what you see is what you get. Um, I've been in Naples full-time now for four years, been here for seven years came to Naples to live happily ever after, just like everybody else. And uh, I've got a real estate background. I'm, a, I'm an investor. I've never been an agent. I've never sold anybody else's properties. But we had apartment complexes, mobile home parks, single-family houses, and stuff like that in Texas. And in 2020 and 2021, I sold all of my assets, all of my real estate assets, just to, to live here. And... Uh, we decided to live here, sold my ranch four years ago in Texas, came here, and uh, just about the time we got here full-time, the commissioner board, you know, COVID hit, the commissioner board shut the businesses down, put masks on everybody, uh, would allow employers to force vaccines on people that had been there for years and years. And I looked at my wife and I said, that's not right. Mm -hmm. This is America. If you want to wear a mask, you should wear one. And if you don't, then you shouldn't. If you want to be scared, you can be scared. But if you don't want to be scared, you shouldn't be. So I wrote, I wrote Andy Solis a letter, and I said, if you vote this on the people, I will run against you, and I will beat you. Well, that was bittersweet. The bitter part was he didn't run, and I couldn't beat him. But the sweet part is, is that he's gone. And even the sweeter part is now I'm the Republican candidate. So I ran on individual liberty. I ran on smaller government, less control. Uh, you know, Naples is an amazing place to live, and we've got to keep it that way. We have to have smart, intelligent growth, planned and managed growth. Uh, you know, Naples is only, Collier County is only 50% built out. 
Right. So it's going to grow, but it needs to grow wisely. And uh, I'm a common sense guy. You know, if it doesn't make sense, I don't do it. And I've uh, that's served me well for 60 years. And I can sum up me when I my, when I left home from college. My dad said to me, he said two things, son. He said, always treat people like you want to be treated and never spend more than you make and things will go well with you. And I can tell you that I have heeded that advice many times over my life. And uh, I'll take that advice into this commissioner board. Well, that's your dad was a wise man, Chris. (laughs) Grateful to have him as a dad, I'm sure. So uh, uh, you mentioned growth. I mean, uh, Collier County is larger than the state of Delaware. And a lot of it, of course, can't be developed. But there are predictions that we're going to have over a million people here in Collier County. So uh, managing growth is going to be important. It is important. And, um, you know, we have to protect property owners' rights. Property owners, they have the right to develop within the zoning and within the the plans that are in place. And we will protect that with all costs. But what they don't, uh, what they're not owed is rezoning or, you know, we don't owe them increased density or we don't owe them anything other than what they've already got the rights to do. And so, you know, affordable homes for the workforce is important to me. Mm-hmm. I remember when, you know, you couldn't get an, uh, a reservation at a, at a restaurant because they only were half staffed. And a part of that was COVID, but another part of it is people can't afford to live here and work here. Mm-hmm. So I've uh, come up with a private plan, a private sector solution where Collier County has property that we can um, we can give to a developer or a builder that will build assets below market value that are uh, strategically and specifically set aside for service workers, teachers, um, you know, factory workers, uh, policemen, first responders, everybody, you know, everybody that's in the workforce that they can, for a modest down payment, we can even create uh, private banks, private mortgage companies that will fund and and bank those people for a, for a short term until they can get their own loan. There's all kinds of options that we have. And I went to county staff during the campaign and I pitched this idea because I said, I don't want to have an idea that can't be implemented. If it's not real, I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And before I even really kind of got through my presentation, they were grinning ear to ear like, yes, this will work. And I'm not for a developer saying, oh, Chris, give us 180 units and we'll make 30 of them affordable homes. No, no, that's not it. We don't need an affordable carrot. We need affordable communities. We need 300 single family houses. We need duplexes. We need mobile home parks. We need places like that where where the workforce can actually come in and own their properties. They pay the property tax, they pay their own insurance, and they have pride of ownership. So they're never, ever subject to an anomaly market like we've seen in Collier County over the last two years where rent prices went sky high. And it's not the landlord's fault. Yeah, no, this is all, this is all music to my ears. I'm so glad to hear you mention uh, one of the things that we live. Freedom. Yeah. Freedom caused this anomaly market. Right. People were willing to pay any price to come to freedom and right. live like an American. And, you know, no one was 
call them the landlords greedy back in 2008 when they had to slash their prices just to get their, you know, their vacancies filled. Nobody was calling them greedy then. It's not the landlords. Freedom caused this. But at the same time, we can do some things. uh, And and freedom and capitalism will correct itself. It's just not a quick fix. So we we can do some things to to ease that that pain and and to make sure that it never does happen again because we're going to stay free. As long as I'm on the watch, we're going to be a free place to live, and it'll and, and it'll be a place where people can come and seriously live happily ever after. Well, Chris, those, those are that's uh, music to our ears, Chris. Quite frankly, I just think that's absolutely and, and the whole notion of respecting law and uh, uh, the uh, ownership and uh, the rights of owners and uh, that's just so important. One of the things we live close to the coast and uh, we're concerned about the development, uh, overdevelopment of uh, the beach area. You know, having looking like Miami Beach or, or perhaps Fort Lauderdale with high rises, uh, replacing some of the homes or, and the and the buildings that are already there. I just wonder if you have any comments about that. You know, nobody wants that. Uh, if you want that, you can go over there and live. And I don't know. You know, we have a growth management plan, and the things that have been set in place and the agreements that have been made prior to me, we have to honor those. I don't know what those are yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but where those place, where those things are in place, we will honor them. But it doesn't mean that we have to allow new ones or we have to allow a change of zoning or we have to allow this or allow that just because somebody wants it. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, speculation. And I, and I may be naive. I may be naive, Bob, but there's a lot of things, you know. Well, the developers are just, you know, the commissioners are just paid off by the developers. Mm. You know, I haven't seen that. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I'm saying it won't happen with me. Right. Because I've said during the campaign, and I've meant it, I, I, I won't be bought and bullied because those would be choices that I would make. And so, but we will honor where, you know, where developers have the rights, you know, where it, where it makes good sense, uh, you know, and the, the developers will throw a carrot to, um, to the commissioner board. Well, we'll do this if you'll do that. And, you know, I, I'm a, where there's good common sense things and where it's not going to affect the environment, uh, we'll take a look at it. But just 80% going into it, I'm going to stick to my guns. Now, well, good for you, Chris. I mean, that's that's fair. And that's, uh, you know, you're, to your point, property owners do have rights and they should be able to take advantage of those rights. Uh, my concern is just changing the uh, zoning or things that could affect property values immediately and change the whole course of uh of what the coast looks like. So I appreciate your commitment uh, to, to those points. Love having you here on the show, Chris. Really great to no- get to know you a little bit, and I hope you'll come back. Oh, thanks for having me, Bob. My pleasure. Again, again, Chris Hall, uh, Collier County Commissioner. Uh, he's not elect yet. He's got to win here in, in November, but my hope is uh, and belief is he will. Chris, thank you so All much. All conservative for- people, get out there and vote, and we won't have to worry about it. <laughs> okay. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. Bye-bye. My pleasure. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with uh, uh, Erica Donald. She is the CEO of Optima Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. I hope you'll find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Erica Donalds, former school board member here in Collier County, but also CEO of the Optima Foundation. Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob, as usual. Uh, thank you, Erica. Tell us about the Optima Foundation. Well, Bob, uh, I'm really honored to have you, Bob, on our board. We have an amazing nonprofit that's been around for about five years now. We've opened four brick-and-mortar in-person charter schools in partnership with Hillsdale College, delivering a, an incredible classical liberal arts curriculum to about 3,000 students now with 2,500 on waiting lists. Uh, those are located all over the state of Florida. And we just recently launched an online virtual school, the world's first VR school, also delivering that incredible classical education to students. And we've got about 200 of those students learning full time, no matter where they live, whether they're on a waiting list for a brick and mortar classical school or whether they don't have one in their neighborhood. So it's a really exciting way to bring classical education to the masses. Now that sounds so exciting. Uh, how does it differ from homeschooling? You know, it doesn't differ a lot from what many homeschool families have done, which is to kind of contract out their uh, teaching to online uh, classrooms, if you will. So we provide a well-trained classical education teacher. We provide the curriculum. And so homeschool families can actually sign up through Optima Classical Academy for free courses if they just want an individual course. 
So a homeschool family likely puts together uh, different curriculum. So some the mother may teach, some may be self-paced, and they may sign up for a course or two with Optima Classical Academy where we're providing the teacher and those students are learning from home. Let's say algebra, right? If mom doesn't want to teach algebra and she needs a, a teacher that has better expertise in that, uh, that student can sign up for Optima Classical Academy taking an individual course. Wow. So it's not different from homeschool. It's schooling at home, certainly if the student is full time, but it's a great complement to homeschooling, providing homeschool families another resource to help them put together a great academic experience. And at a great price, too, it sounds like, hey, Erica. Absolutely it? free. That's right. <laughs> free for students in Florida. So for the student, how does it how does it operate? In other words, are you literally virtually in a classroom with other students? That's absolutely right. Many of us are familiar with Zoom school, which occurred during the pandemic, was very ineffective. In the Oculus headsets that we use, the MetaQuest, I should say, actually newly named MetaQuest headsets, um, the students are in a VR classroom that we have built, fully secure, uh, from 8 to 12 each day in about 20 to 30 minute increments, where they're receiving live learning from a teacher they look and feel as if they're in a classroom. They can raise their hand, they can interact with their peers, they can answer questions of their teacher, but they can also be transported to other locations in mm. VR, such as on the moon or Independence Hall, which we've created, ancient Rome, Pompeii, Mars. We've created over a hundred different locations that our teachers can use as a classroom to teach these children the great books and the wonderful knowledge that comes along with classical education. Erica, that just sounds so exciting. And you've got 200, uh, first, it started this year, you've already got 200 students enrolled. So how can our listeners find out more, maybe perhaps a grandchild or a child that, that they'd like to find out uh, more about uh, providing that kind of a resource? Enrollment is available right now at OptimaClassical.org. That's OptimaClassical.org. And again, it is free for students in grades three to eight who live in Florida, either individual courses or full-time school. And we are still accepting new students today. That is just so exciting. Let's talk about uh, some of the other projects that you have, uh, again, to, to meet your mission. I understand that you've got uh, another school opening in Estero. Yes, and Bob, you're familiar with my personal mission, which is to make classical education available to every family. Mm -hmm. And we do that by opening different types of schools now. We've got the virtual. We're working on micro schools. We obviously have been successful in opening charter schools. In Estero, we have Estero Classical Academy opening in 2023. We're getting ready to open enrollment for that in the next couple of weeks, the first lottery being at the very beginning of January. So anyone who is looking to apply for Estero Classical Academy is going to be located on Corkscrew Road, uh, just east of the interstate, I-75, in an area that is growing tremendously and does not have uh, school choice options available. So we are excited to launch our first Lee County school, uh, which will join our other four operating schools and also be partnered with Hillsdale College. That is so exciting. And, and for our listeners that may not be uh, familiar, how does the Hillsdale College curriculum and the classical curriculum uh, differ from uh, what students are experiencing elsewhere? Well, it's tremendously different, and that's what motivated me to start these schools, Bob. When I saw the difference for my own children, 
classical education is a knowledge and content rich education. These students are learning information about history, um, about the history of our country, the history of the world. They are not just obtaining skills, uh, they are learning uh, explicit phonics and explicit grammar, diagramming sentences, which many of your listeners probably did when they were in school. Yes. But they're reading classic literature, the great books. And in all of that, incorporating virtues, civic virtue, moral character, which is so missing mm -hmm. from our traditional public schools these days. Everything is gray. Nothing is black and white. Nothing is good or bad. It's whatever you feel. That's just not the truth. We teach children what is true, good, and beautiful, and we help them to appreciate uh, the good in people by reading historical text, historical stories, as well as classic literature, and bringing all of those things home with the pillars of virtue that we also teach them. Yeah, that's so important. So uh, the pu uh, proof of the pudding is in the tasting. So how are the students doing by comparison to others? Well, in our first school opening, Treasure Coast Classical Academy, uh, that school received an A this year, our first A. During the pandemic, they got their first grade. That was a B, and we were able to bring that up to an A this year. We're very happy to uh, report that. Many classical schools start out uh, with lower grades. In fact, the Hillsdale schools in Florida, several of them started with a C. That's what happened with Naples Classical Academy. Then they were able to move to an A and perform at that level based on the state standards. I think they're getting a better education every single day, but people look at those school grades and that's what they measure by. The thing is when students are coming into our schools, they're coming way behind. Uh, they don't understand phonics, grammar, Singapore math, the basics. And so we have to spend at least a year and sometimes many more than that, getting them caught up. And that's when you start to see that exponential academic growth that is reflected in those Hillsdale College schools that are performing exceptionally well compared to their peers. Thank you, Erica. Now, you, uh, you gave us one website. I know OptimaEd.org is another website that uh, our listeners can go to to find out more about Optima uh, Foundation. Give us again the, the website for the uh, virtual school. Sure, OptimaClassical.org. And you can get to that from our OptimaEd.org website that has links to all of our schools across the state. And of course, learn more about our foundation, what we're doing. We will have some events coming up where people can come and support the foundation. So I would love to come back on the show soon to make some announcements about really exciting events in the Naples area so people can support our expansion of classical education. Well, we'll definitely do that. And uh, Erica, just really appreciate your leadership for a great effort here at improving uh, classical education here in the state of Florida. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239 239 
325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to just uh, highlight listening to a Blue Provence commercial that uh, SizzleDining.com is running through September the 28th and offering fixed price menus for both lunch and dinner. There's many participants. Go to SizzleDining.com to uh, take a look at all the participants and their menus. We ate at uh, Blue Provence last night. It was truly fantastic and a great value. So, SizzleDining.com. Check it out. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of several books, I think about a dozen. His latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It's a terrific read. Uh, Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us here on on the show. And Bob, thank you so much for having me on. Always a pleasure, Professor. You also write a column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Your latest, These Consequential Conspiracy Theories, Proven Terribly True. Perhaps you could tell us about it. Yeah, I think we're all aware of the fact that uh, there's a lot of awful lot of noise out there in the social media and in the, in the network media and so on that we, uh, you know, it's, it's just lasting all the time and a lot of misinformation and disinformation and so on that we have to be very cautious about and i think we you know that's that's a concern we all have how do you filter through all this and really get the information we want and that we need and that we trust and so on but one of the most disturbing aspects of it i think is that it's when the government's putting out the disinformation mm-hmm. and with the with the sycophant media following them and i think it's very politicized information when the government does it whether it's whether it's about covid or climate change or or uh, any number of, 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 of other issues it's, it's very concerning because then we say well yeah but then who can we trust right and, and with this uh and, and one of one of the tactics of course is that anything that uh that they that, that they want to censor and i say it's a, it's a lot of they's out there that do the, and it really is censorship that uh, they, they say, well, that's, that's a conspiracy theory, you know, and 
the, the, the notion is that there's some nefarious group just putting out this information, typically nefarious groups, the conservatives. And, and, uh, and, 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 and don't, don't trust this information, you know, because it doesn't agree with, with we, what we, the, you know, the, the government says, you know, and we're infallible and we follow the science and yada, yada, yada. Well, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's really, it's really a censorship that, that, and it's, it's not just, it's not just the, uh, of course, our government, but this happens on a global level. And, and I, I, I kicked off the article that I thought there was an excellent uh, piece in Epic Times. And, and I, I'm finding a, a lot of good stuff in Epic Times. I think they, they do a respectable job of, of checking things. And, but looking at the, you know, the United Nations Educational Scientific and Cultural Organization, that's kind of a mouthful, but it's UNESCO. And how they've organized a, a bunch of meetings and symposiums and so on, and how to control information, and 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 uh, you know, and and you know, we've got to we've got to uh, uh, fight back against the so-called global warming deniers. Well, I've, I've never met anyone that thinks that global warming doesn't, climate change doesn't happen, but you know, we have to go back, you know, get back at that or COVID or anything that's not anything that's not approved by the United Nations, and that, <laughs> that includes a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and, and the, the most terrifying part of it is that they, you know, they're, they're focusing on little school children and how to indoctrinate them, essentially, brainwash them to not challenge things and, and to, to, to have, you know, authoritarian figures and, and messages uh, really influence almost every aspect of their life. And when we see this we see this in our own government where, you know, we see it happening with within the Department of Justice and the FBI where, well, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop was just a conspiracy theory. Or our Russian collusion is opposite is uh is you know, Trump really did collude and suggestions that he didn't is a conspiracy theory. Or that that, that you know, when Trump was originally ridiculed for saying, "Well, his administration is being spied upon," well, that's that's just a conspiracy theory. And you have all these DOJ officials and former officials and so on say, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's just all the all the fingerprints of Russian disinformation," and so on. And and uh, we live in this we live in this uh, this whirlwind of disinformation uh, that 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 is put out by the government and it's, it's never reconciled right and they just hope that, that the public will forget you know later in terms you know in time for the election that this fraud has been perpetrated on all of us you know that's so true professor and you know i just uh, yesterday read that uh, facebook has been spying on private messages of american users and reporting them to the fbi if they express any kind of anti-government sentiments or question the 2020 election can you imagine that all these uh uh you know hey uh, fbi you ought to look into this you ought to look into that these are these are statements that we're finding from the public from facebook users this is just atrocious well there's so much on the fbi lately and we don't you know it's gotten so that it's, and it's really a shame we're seeing rank and file people in the FBI now, whistleblowers that are reporting. They reported, as you mentioned, the 
you know, the, the watching of the Facebook uh, information and, and what, you know, what, what they were listening for, what we're hearing is that any anti-government sentiment, such as you distrust the results of the election mm-hmm. and, and flagging issues of that sort. Well, we, you know, the, the, the Second Amendment is, and the First Amendment is, is very precious. And, and it's our duty to challenge and question things that, that, we don't, that we don't think are right, whether it's, you know, it's crazy things like we now know that the that they vaccines don't prevent infections or, you know, or they don't prevent, uh, you know, passing along infections and so on. Yet, yet at the same time, we're, you know, we have an administration that's, uh, that's kicking, you know, valiant service people out out of, and out of the military, yeah. some of our top people, because because of not not taking uh, COVID shots and so on. So it's 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 really it's really really very insidious. It is indeed, Professor. In fact, uh, I read a column that uh, that. Uh, hydroxychloroquine would have been 92% more effective than uh, the shots or anything other, other treatment for preventing hospitalization or death. Can you imagine all the people that have died as a result of now? The, remember, the, the federal government and the bureaucracy actually forbid the use of uh, hydroxychloroquine at the risk of uh, the uh, medical practitioners losing their licenses. This is just ast- it's astounding. Well, we have NAID and we have, you know, CDC and so on that, that came out with really bad information on, on, on COVID and so on. And, and, and I think, I think most of us understand that, well, when this, when this uh, virus popped out, uh, that obviously there was a lot of, uh, you know, we didn't know what it was and no one, no one knew what it was and, and, or, you know, whether mRNA vaccines would work or even what they were or what gain of function was and so on. And we had to, there's a long learning curve. And then I think we all understand that, you know, if you're a health authority and you got to give advice, but you don't have information, that's, that's really, it's really a tough thing. But then when you find out that, that Fauci and company and AID and so on, were actually funding the, funding the research, you know, and, and, uh, denying it and having meetings to to say now what do we what do we do to correct this or saying well you know altering a virus isn't really gain of function research well what else is it if it's not that right uh, and 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 so much of it is is this kind of bureaucratic and, and the irony for a lot of us that are tend, tend to be fairly scientific minded and 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 skeptical about things is that is they say, well, we, we're following the science. Well, they're doing anything but following the science because, you know, you're, you're not even allowing people to challenge, you know, like uh, segueing back to the FBI and so on, to challenge an, an election. We're supposed to believe that that, that Joe Biden, uh, who didn't campaign, who couldn't attract enough people to fill a parking lot during the campaign season, uh, beat out... Uh, you know the great, you know the great hero of the, of the of the Democrats, Barack Obama, by ten million votes. We're supposed to supposed to believe that, and if you don't believe it, if if for any reason you don't believe it, uh, you know you're you're a, you're a, I guess you're an election denier, and yeah. and this is a terrifying time in our history, where where we've got to we've got to get back to 
teaching young people about what science really is finally and 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 give them degrees that actually enable them to to do something to reform something to create something to understand something rather than simply to 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 parrot and invoke woke ideologies on the rest of us. You know, that's so important, Professor. I mean, I actually recall this brought to mind uh, back when I was a uh, young man, or, oh, probably uh, 15 years old. Uh, Rockwell was the head of the American Nazi Party, and it would hold parades in downtown Washington, and we det- detested what he had to say, but we, he had the right to say it, and we were proud to be an Americans because he was saying it out loud, and it was his right. And uh, you know what? We've lost that. That's so important. Well, now we're weaponizing it, and it's been weaponizing, and say we, but it's saying, well, you can't say that because it's dangerous. Well, what's really dangerous is when we lose our First Amendment rights. It's, yeah. What's really dangerous is when we can't challenge authority. And it's, it's one thing you can burn down cities, you know, 2020, and, and, and so on, because, because of, a, you know, what, whatever grievance you want to put on it. That's, that's okay, but you can't protest or question an election result, even though Stacey Abrams hasn't had any issue doing that, and others haven't. So it's clearly politicized, and uh, and 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 it ain't the uh, you know it, it ain't the conservatives. You know, we now see the weaponization of the IRS and fifty-seven thousand new agents, and you say, well, why would anyone be concerned about that? Well, you know, you think of Lois Lerner, and you think of the past history of the IRS. It's always the conservatives yeah. that get the bad end of the deal. Professor, I just always appreciate your commentary here on the show. I just refer our listeners to uh, Newsmax.com, your column On Point. Also, uh, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, I'm always grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for Monday. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast. Great weekend as well, or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.